Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Our partners on BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even the next season's futures. And don't forget the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source of all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and betting favorite Vegas casinos and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today and use your mobile device. Join and use our promo BLEAV. That's BLEAV. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online for the game starts. Welcome back. Welcome back to An Athlete's Journey. I'm your host, Travis Reed. Today, I got a special guest, a person that, uh, you know, is on was like a, a label mate with me, you know, on the, on the Believe Network, but uh, had a great career, you know, was a big-time player in high school, big-time player in college, played in the NBA with the Boston Celtics, ill, you know, <laughs> and with the Duke. Now, we'll get to his journey in a minute, you know, but he's a... Uh, Cool person, you know, like I said, uh, reached out to him, you know, for this interview. He said, you know, right on. So I said, all right, let's get it as soon as you can. So uh, this is Sheldon Williams. Say hello, Sheldon. What's going on? All right, all right. So we're going to get right into it, you know. Uh, Sheldon, how did your basketball journey start? My basketball journey. So I guess it started um, when I was in first grade. My dad, uh, he's six eight. He was the college coach. I'm sorry, a high school coach, as well as a you know AU coach and things like that. So with him being in the basketball field, 
he told me and my younger brother that he didn't want us to follow in his footsteps. But again, my dad being six eight, my mom six foot, chances are that was gonna be our fate anyway. So <laughs> basketball was the last sport that we can play. We want we wound up playing, at least for me. I played uh baseball first, uh-huh. I played soccer, I played football, because being in Oklahoma, football's king, uh-huh. and then I played basketball. But I played uh football and basketball all the way up until my ninth grade year, and ninth grade was still junior high back then. And I was able to play for the high school. I couldn't play junior high football and high school basketball. Cause like I said, ninth, it was seven through nine was junior high and 10 to 12 was high school. Mm-hmm. So I was able to actually uh, bypass that. But then at that time, everybody was kind of going after my knees anyway. And I knew if I was gonna have a future in sports, it was gonna be more so in <laughs> basketball than, you know, than football. Yeah, no, I got you. Look, I played football in, up until about eighth grade. And then I got hit hard once in my legs. And I was like, oh, no, here, here, coach. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm through. Let me Let's focus the, Yeah, let me focus well, on this basketball game. Well, fortunately for me, I was tight in and I was deep as in. So I did a lot of hitting, uh, which I like, you know, with me being a kind of a big body and, and things like that. And then the fact that, I mean, I started off as a, a D-line and a receiver. But as a D lineman, I was this gangly kid with long arms. So I had film where a dude, as soon as the guy says "hut," you see my long arms reach over the short kid that's playing, uh, you know, who guard and uh, that type of thing. And I just grab the actual collar of the quarterback and I hold on to him <laughs> and throw him down, that type of thing. So that was how I was getting a lot of my tackles. And as I kept growing, it, it kind of moved me from uh, receiver to, um, you know, Defense in and also a tight end. <laughs> That's a funny story, reaching yeah. over. <laughs> and just reaching over, yeah, yeah. Okay. They couldn't do anything about it. I mean, it was, it was like maybe at my waist, and I'm just reaching over, holding on to the guy as soon as the center hikes the ball. <laughs> Got you. All right. So, obviously, you, you played in the AAU. How was your AAU growing up? How would you get into that? So, for me, AAU was a little bit different. Um, like I said, I came from a football state. It's a lot different now because Oklahoma has an NBA team. Uh, but growing up, we didn't have that. All we had was OU sports and OSU sports, Oklahoma State sports. Uh, we had a semi-basketball team that didn't last that long, but it was either OU or OSU. That's how it was growing up. Um, playing AU, we had about four teams that was pretty good. And I wind up, you know, going to nationals, you know, pretty much every year. Uh, they, they take the, you know, the state winner and the state runner-up, you know, pretty much. And we didn't come to, to the conclusion until my junior year where we all played together. It's like, you know, us trying to beat us, you know, each other up. We was able to play together and do some real damage and wind up, you know, I want to say 10 of us went D1 that year, which was oh, unheard wow. of, which oh, was yeah. unheard of at the time. There didn't have that many people go D1. But mm-hmm. we didn't come up with a bright idea that we need to play with each other until our junior year, you know, you know, being young, you want to do your own thing, you want to get all that recognition and things like that. <laughs> you want to share that spotlight, you know, with other people. But it was pretty cool to see that. And then, um, because I want to say when we were in junior high, the only person that we remember seeing leaving the state of Oklahoma for basketball was Eton Thomas. Okay. And okay. Until he did it, we didn't know that was really a thing 
points to do. We've seen football players kind of leave and go to Texas and, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. But we never saw basketball players kind of leaving the state of Oklahoma. They were staying in the state, playing with OU, OSU, or even Tulsa. But for seeing Eton, that kind of opened my eyes. Like, you know what? It's a possibility that I can leave the state of Oklahoma and play somewhere else. Okay, okay. So you played AAU uh, growing up. Did you play like younger to high school or did you play just starting in like starting in like, you know, high school? So my dad started me in a league where I played up and I didn't really play my age until I want to say uh, either it was nationals or later on in high school. But my dad always had me play up. But the first team I played for, I didn't, I didn't really play that much. Um, it was a U team. I want to say it was our first, second grade. I didn't play that much. Uh, it was to a point where I was like, I'm not sure if it's really for me or not. But my dad was, like I said, was a high school coach. So he wound up coaching my second team. And it got to a point where either I was at the quit or he had to quit. You know, that type of thing. Because we was always playing heads. Like, literally, I, I, I give it up to hey, all the coaches and coaches' sons. And they said that relationship and everything. They still do that. Yeah. Hey, more power to you because uh, with me and my dad's dynamic, if I had a bad game, I'm here during the game. I'm here on the call right at home. I'm here at the dinner table. I'm here. We were we watching uh, at the time NBA on NBC, whatever. I'm hearing it during that time. I'm like, I could not get away from it. Yeah. And like, yeah, it got yeah, to the point where yeah, yeah, yeah. as a kid, I was like, you know what? And I started, you know, kind of, you know, rebelling a little bit and kind of talking back. And then, then that opened a whole other can of worms, like, you know, talking <laughs> back to your parent and, you know, things like that. So it got to the point where, like, hey, either you quit or I quit. We can't do this no more. Like, that's how it was. And then being uh, the dad, you know, that I have and everything, he knew that and he respected that. And he took a back seat to that. Mm -hmm. And he was able to actually have somebody else coach me and then him kind of chipping on the side versus, like, you know, it felt like he's, he's on me the whole time, yeah, that type yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 but, you know, my dad, you know, knowing he's been – in this process and uh, being a coach, he would say things and you know, you have to listen at the time, but it wasn't <laughs> as bad then. <laughs> no, so no, right? trust me, man. My, my pops was my coach till I was in the sixth grade uh, or seventh grade, actually. And so, like, yeah, yeah, like, I, I, man. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, he was like every day at practice, after practice, at home, like you said, at home, the dinner table, on the car ride home, on the right, car right, ride, right, yeah, right. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, dude. Like, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Trust me, I hate you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's been many nights where uh, uh, I had a, either a bad game or don't don't let me have played bad. We, you know, we drove eight hours to go to St. Louis <laughs> or whatever, and I played bad. That whole eight hours bad, I'm telling you, nonstop, no music playing, nothing, just ridicule. I, I'm telling you, I'm like, man. Did I do yeah. anything good? Like it was a three day uh, trip. Did I do anything good? Like dang, <laughs> man. Why do I, I feel like you know all dads are the same when it comes to that, man? It's it's so <laughs> weird, bro. Like that's the same exact thing that my dad used to do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like oh my god, dude. Like yeah, it would just be the same exact thing. Okay, so you played AAU. Now, are you one of the? Um, what high school did you go to in uh, in Oklahoma? So my high school was called Midwest City, Oklahoma. I lived in Midwest City at the time. So that was the city school. Um, at the time, before we got there, it was more so known for um, football. Mm -hmm. They had won some state championships in football. And then uh, two years before I got there, they had won state championship for the first time in 
in the, some decades, whatever. And uh, we had a pretty good uh, crowd coming in, uh, group coming in with uh, my class. And we were able to get to the state championship my freshman year, but we wound up losing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we come back and I unfortunately moved to Texas and my dad got a, a better job because he was a teacher and coaching. Uh, we moving and I'm, I'm thinking myself like, you know, we have pretty much everybody back. We lost in the state championship. We can run this back. You know, that's what, you know, my kid, my, my mind is, you know, thinking. And literally we go to Texas. I go to a school where it was basketball wise. The team was bad. Like, you know, <laughs> I go from a really good team to a really bad team. And, you know, Texas, they kind of play pretty much all year round. It's a fall league and it's a regular league. It's a spring league. It's a summer league. They play literally all year round. And we were there, and I complain, no joke, every single day, every single day. But, again, the dad that my dad is, he made a sacrifice and moved us back to Oklahoma City, I'm sorry, Middle City, to go back to uh, playing for that team and he was able to actually get his uh, his old job back. And my mom was able to get her job back as well. So it worked out well for all of us to kind of go back. And we wind up going back to the school and wind up winning our first uh, state championship uh, my sophomore year. I'm sorry, my, yeah, my sophomore year and then my junior year as well. Oh, okay, okay. Like I said, I understand that. I, I moved around a lot. I went to three different high schools growing up transferring. Oh, yeah, because you know, yeah, my mom and pops, you know, they divorced, so I had to I moved with my dad. And so, like, you know, I was in the city. I went to a school called Crenshaw, which is, like, the biggest school in California, whatever, like, the most... I mean, we, we all know what Crenshaw is. Hey, I'm just saying, you <laughs> know? Saying, if, you if you didn't know, you seen the movie uh, Love and Basketball. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, Crenshaw you know, and everything, they, or what they call Crenshaw, it. They call it the, 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 the Shaw? The Shaw, the Shaw, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, won, we, won, we actually won state my freshman year. But it was like because of the seniors, you know, we had Tremaine folks who played the NBA, Chris Johnson played UCLA, played overseas. So yeah, you know, we won. Then then after that, I transferred, and like I said, I, I ended up in Fontana, and then out from Fontana to UCLA. Okay. But, yeah. So okay. So you obviously yeah. you won two states in you know back to back years. What would you say your most memorable moment in high school was? I would say probably my. Freshman year, I had, I had um, a state record. I had uh, 16 blocks in the, in a game. Wow. And uh, I want to say that might be my most memorable game because that's where my nickname originated from. So I'm playing a game as a freshman and trying to, you know, get into my groove and trying to fit in with these high school people because I'm not even going to that school, mind you, because I'm still in junior high the way it's set up there. So I'm only seeing my teammates for practice after school and for games. I'm not seeing them in class every day, you know, that type of thing. So I'm still kind of an outsider, still trying to figure out my, my niche. And one game I had 16 uh, blocks, like I said, state record. And one of the uh, announcers was saying like, you know, he's owning the paint. You know, everybody's coming in the paint is being his tenants. He's being the landlord out there. And then all of a sudden, that name, I was like, you know what? It's unique. I never heard that name before. Um, I kind of took to that. And then when I got to college, Dickie V kind of made it a household name. And I'm walking around campus and everybody, you know, chanting, pay your rent and, you know, things like that, whatever. So it was pretty cool. 
That's cool. That's cool. You know, for everybody out there, his name really is Landlord. You can look it up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, I remember I was like, that is a unique name when I used to watch or whatever. All right. Yeah, so yeah. you went stay back to back. Obviously, you're one of the top players in the country. You was a McDonald's All-American, right? No, I wasn't a McDonald's All-American. Um, I, I Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to play uh, the rest of my senior year. And you had to play a certain amount of games to play. I'd be that. And I couldn't uh, be a McDonald's All-American because of that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have, but you have a, a, a slew of schools recruiting you. Uh, you know, what was your top five schools, uh, you know, coming out of high school? Well, I was fortunate enough to get recruited by pretty much everybody, uh, mm -hmm. D1. So I was fortunate enough with that. Um, my top schools were Duke, Carolina. Um, well, not in that order. I'll say my order. It was Duke, um, Illinois, because uh, Bill Self was from Oklahoma. He was yeah. recruiting me also, and before he went to uh, Tulsa, and then he went to uh, um, Illinois before Kansas. Uh, so Duke, Illinois, um, Carolina, Kansas, and Kentucky was my top five. Okay. okay. And I, I was I was more of a Carolina fan um, back when I was a little bit younger because mm -hmm. um, I was, I loved teams of uh, Vince Carter, Antoine Jameson, those yeah, teams, yeah, or even yeah. earlier we got you know Rasheed and those guys mm -hmm. uh, playing for Carolina. Uh, I was I was liking them a lot more. And then um, you know once I got recruited by Coach K and things like that. My, my mindset had changed. And also, you know, people didn't really like, you know, Matt Doherty on the team either, you know, when I was actually doing the uh, un unofficial you know, visit as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, I, I guess that makes sense. I mean, you know, as you should like North Carolina, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't let, <laughs> don't let too many Duke fans hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, just the way I, I, as I got older, I like certain players. I didn't like schools. You know, per se, mm -hmm. but I like certain players. And then okay. when I got older, I started watching people play my position, as I mentioned, like, you know, with the Rashid and those guys, type guys, and, mm -hmm. and even with the new guys, like, you know, Elton Brand, you know, I yeah. watched, you know, dominant guys that are going to play my position and Carlos Boozer and those guys, too, so. No, I got you. Well, what do you remember about your first year in college when you got to Duke? So my first year in college, it was a little bit of a roller coaster. Um I wound up starting as a freshman, me and another freshman, Chadwick Randolph, mm -hmm. and we go to Indianapolis and we play against UCLA. Okay, okay, um, okay. We wind wonderful, up having wonderful school, wonderful school. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. We, we, we wind up having both of us had a, a bad game, mm -hmm. and uh, coaches yelling at us, and you know, and that type, and he pulls both of us from the starting lineup. Mm -hmm. And for me, as I said a little bit about my dad earlier, that didn't really bother me because I've been hit ridiculed and yelled at and whatever, you know, growing up. So that, that didn't mind me. Um, the fact that he brought Shad back before he brought me back, that kind of bothered me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you know, at the time, like you know, Shad, he was he was playing uh, he was playing well when he was uh, not injured. It sucks that people didn't really see the full talented Shadley Randolph because the guy was a 6'11 guy that would handle back then, which was unheard of. Like, And now you see it you know, everywhere, but he was very talented. But mm -hmm. he brought Shad back, but didn't bring me back. 
And I was playing bits and pieces here and there my first year, my first semester. So come Christmas break, I got tired of it. And me and Coach had a, a meeting and I told him pretty much like, hey, I didn't drive 18 hours with my family to be a cheerleader. Like that's not who I am. And he, yeah, yeah, he comes back to me like, you know, you're ungrateful and things like that. We just had a big moment. And it came to the point where I'm thinking about even transferring because of this. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like my dad told me, you gave your word, all right? You gave your word, that's what you're gonna do. You stick it out. So after the first year, you can make a decision after that first year, okay. but you're not putting anything during during the year. That's not, not what, what we do. So me taking heat of that and everything, I'm like, all right, I understand that, but I'm pissed. I am right. pissed. I, I'm not talking to nobody. I'm over here coming in and doing school and basketball. That's it. Like you can ask my teammates, like, yo, what's wrong with him? Like, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. <laughs> I got so you. I got you. It came back around where Shabbat got sick or hurt or whatever against uh, UVA, which is also the same game as the Dante's push-up after he dumped it. Mm-hmm. That same game. Okay. That I wasn't supposed to uh, be starting or barely playing, but I was put back into the starting lineup, had a really good game, and I never looked back after that. Okay, okay. I mean, that's a great story, man. A great story. Your triumph and like you know, believing in yourself and not quitting. Because I'm pretty sure a lot of kids would be like, "F it, I'm out." I mean, you especially know? nowadays when you don't yeah. even set up no more. Like you can transfer and, and play right away. You know what I mean? Dude, where was that when we were? Where was yeah, that when we was in college? Yeah, right? yeah. And I'm saying if, if it was like that now, back then. I might not be in. I might not be in the Big Rockers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, <laughs> no, I got you, bro. I got you. You know. So, what was the hardest thing from college, uh, from high school? Just dealing with stuff like that. Dealing with the fact that you, you know, had to compete and all that with the, the time and all that. Or, yeah, I mean, like I said, the competing didn't bother me. Um, Coach K was the only one that came to my house and told me that I have a chance to compete for an opportunity to start. While all the other people are like, oh, you start as a freshman, you start right away, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, because you haven't earned anything. You can have a chance to compete for an opportunity. And I'm like, and me, I had a little bit of edge to me and everything. I'm like, how are you gonna come to my house, sit at my dinner table and tell me that I got a chance to compete for an opportunity? <laughs> when all the other schools over telling me, I'm gonna start right away, that type thing. And that really got to me, I'm like, you know what? I, I need that. I don't want anything given to me. And it's never been like that growing up with my parents. And I, I, I need that. I don't mm-hmm. want something because if you get something handed to you, a lot of times you're not really, you're not taking care of it. And it doesn't really mean as much, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's at least for me. So I, I, I was like, no, what? let me go ahead, roll my sleeves up and everything. Like, I'm, I'm going to show this guy. He's going to tell me at my dinner table <laughs> yeah, that I got a chance to you know, have an opportunity, not start, but a chance. I'm like, all right, all right. So that's what it really got me. So uh, the, the competing part never really bothered me. Um, I know that a lot of people are the man at their high school when they come to college and then things change. And then the people who are the man at their college and everything, um, you know, may not necessarily be the man when they go to the next level. And that, that's just how it is. But the point of the matter was for me, I just want to make sure that I have even shot and equal shots, shall I say. And then once that happens, I can take matters in my own hand. Okay, okay. 
So obviously at Duke, I remember you and JJ Reddick as like two most hated people. Well, maybe he was hated beyond anybody. Yeah, it was more so him than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say your greatest triumph and your greatest failure in college was? So I would say my greatest triumph um, initially putting myself in position to live up to my nickname, which is like, you know, being a landlord, playing defense and blocking shots and things like that. And I was able to be national defensive player of the year, back-to-back years, my junior and senior year. So I would say that's probably individually my greatest uh, triumph. Uh, collectively, I would say my, I would say my sophomore year, even though we didn't get a chance to win the national championship, we got to the final four and we were early in the year around Thanksgiving time in Alaska and we lost to Purdue in the championship game. Mm-hmm. We had a kind of come to Jesus type moment and meeting for our team. And we all did a contract and signed the contract on the board, but Coach K wouldn't sign it until he knew everybody was all in for that. And we wind up from that time until I want to say the championship for the ACC tournament, we wind up going like 20 and 0. We, we just ran off like 20 straight wins. Uh, which was like unbelievable at the time. And we wound up uh, kind of getting screwed in the tournament, but that's you know, here and there. But we was <laughs> one of the hottest teams going in. So collectively, I want to say that's one of my greatest uh, triumphs collectively. Okay. And uh, what would you say your greatest failure was? So my greatest failure, I would say not, not really putting in the work to be more all-rounded. I knew that I was a great defender, a great uh, defensive player, and a finisher around the basket. I wish that I took more to heart about, you know, my offensive game. Mm-hmm. And if I had to go back all over again and do it all over again, I would spend just as much time on the offense as I did for defense. Okay, okay. That makes sense, you know what I'm saying? More well-rounded. I mean, I think what you were, what you were, and like you said, it got you to the league. So, you know, you was a lottery pick. So I still, I still say it's all good. Um, what was the biggest lesson you learned in college? The biggest lesson I learned in college? Mm-hmm. Uh, that I'm not quite sure. Um, I knew once I got to college, it's going to be different because in high school, I can... I knew what I can get away with, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with me being more talented than a lot of other players on the team. So mm-hmm. I knew what I can get away with, and I knew how much I needed to work. And as everybody knows who goes from high school to college and play, what you did, what you thought was work in high school, is not work. Like, it was a different level once you got to, uh, the, you know, the college level as well as you go to the professional level too. Yep. So yep. what I was thinking about what I was doing was actually good. And I was like, well – it was good for high school, but not for, you know, college. So that, I, I'm not sure if I can answer that fully. Mm-hmm. I, have to, mm-hmm. I have to come back and think about really and pinpoint it. No problem. No problem. We'll come back to it later. Uh-huh. You know, so did you leave at, Did you leave college after your junior year or you stayed all four years? No, I stayed all four years. Um, I, I had a chance to leave after uh, my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as my junior year, but 
I I promised my mom before I left that I was going to graduate. And a lot of times people mm-hmm. say that they're going to graduate. When you leave, and you get that first taste of like, you know, money in your pocket and more freedom. You don't have to do classes and things like that. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about going back there. You know, like, yeah. And I've seen that time and time again. And the thing is, like, I, I promised my mom that no matter what happens, I'm going to get my degree from Duke. And that, oh, shoot, that might be my greatest triumph as well, too. Um, the fact that I graduated and it was on Mother's Day, oh, my wow. senior year, I was okay. able to give my mom my diploma on Mother's Day and told her that I fulfilled my promise to you back in high school. That I told you that I was going to graduate no matter what. And the fact that I held to my word and the look that I saw on her face, I'll take that back. That's my personal greatest triumph over my national defense player years. Okay. Okay. Now, um, obviously, you know, you being like a top player, one of the top players, what do you think now? What do you think about the NIL money now? You know? As far as college. <laughs> Where was this at when I was in school? You know, uh, how much money I can make on uh, my name for all these defensive uh, uh, protection programs and things like that. And then, I wish I had that. And it's, it's kind of funny because um, when I saw the news break about that kid from uh, Miami, I'm like, oh, it took this long for this to happen? I thought it was going to be happening a lot sooner where, you know, somebody's going to try to hold out for, you know, more money and use the transfer portal to get more money. Mm-hmm. But come mm-hmm. find out he was just bluffing, never left, and then didn't get any additional money. So now he looked, you know, like a you know idiot, you know, because <laughs> it didn't work out for him. Mm-hmm. You know that type of thing. Whatever. I don't want to call him an idiot, or whatever. But it, it it didn't look well for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I, what I, I want to say. But I'm surprised that that hasn't happened more. But the thing is, with all these kids getting all this money and everything, it was like, you know what? Uh, why why rush to the NBA when I'm over here? Living yep. fine, I got no <laughs> real bills, I got all this money in my pocket, you know, that type of thing. So, I don't know, I, I came out too early. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I said the same thing. I said, man, if I was at UCLA now, man, with the NIL money, man, I might have never, never left, never transferred. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, so you, you know that you're one of the top draftees in, in the class. How was your, like, your draft process journey? How, how was that? So my draft process was a little bit different as well. Um, I went out after I graduated. I went out to L.A., and I was working out in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my workouts, I had, uh, I want to say, the top 10 teams in the lottery were there watching our workouts. Because at the time, I want to say it was in our agency, it was um, me, Marcus Aldridge, who went, I think, number, number two or three that year. Um, Brandon Roy, who mm. went, like, you know, uh, I want to say either four or six, I can't remember. Um, JJ and somebody else. We, we really had five of the top ten picks in the mm-hmm. gym and everything. Mm-hmm. And... I was able to actually uh, have a really good workout and I got a commitment from Atlanta Hawks from that workout, but mm-hmm. they were trying to keep it under wraps type thing. So I was pretending to go to uh, different um, workouts. Uh, I did about three workouts before the word got out and they shut me down and I didn't do anything else after that. But the workouts I did, I went to Utah 
And then I flew up to Seattle because that's when Seattle had a team. Yeah. And then I did it back to back with Seattle and Boston. That was tough. Like it was back to back. I'm in freaking Seattle. They running me and doing all this other stuff with me. And then um, I fly way out to uh, to um, Boston and have that. So that was that was pretty tough right there. Oh my gosh, dude! Yes, yes. I imagine that was tough. You know, like yeah. they try to just work out, work out, work out, work out. And then you got to fly back to back, do workouts, man. No, mm-hmm. I, I hear you on that. Right. So it, it go. I mean, you know, I, I would say this like. I got drafted, but like probably number, I got drafted number 59. So I was kind of like mystery relevant. But okay. like to go into the, uh, you know, for the people that ain't never been drafted, go into that process of like, how is it is sitting in that green room waiting for your name to get called? It was, even though I knew what pick I was going to be uh, picked, I was still nervous and I'm sweating, you know, back, you know, we got the freaking uh, big baggy suits on it, like that, but, you know, back then, it's not like, you know, as close and, you know, um, tailored as it is now, but back then, I'm over here, like, you know, I'm looking around, because the thing is, I never thought that this was actually going to happen, you know, I remember being back in the uh, driveway playing with my brother after watching Chicago Bulls play somebody and just trying to be like Mike. Paying down debt can be stressful, especially when you need to keep track of multiple monthly payment dates. If you're tired of juggling these due dates, consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer. That way, you'll just have one due date a month instead of many, and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan officers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you chances of approval, show you choice between loan officers, and you'll likely get approved, you're likely not to get approved, to apply with more confidence. Comparing loan officers on Credit Karma is 100% free won't affect your credit scores. It could save you money. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan officers to find you the best loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan officers. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. sticking out that type of thing whatever <laughs> and not really knowing that it was a real possibility because you didn't see a lot of people if any actually except for Eton to go from Oklahoma the state of Oklahoma to the pros for basketball you see them for football but not basketball we see them for football and baseball but not basketball but to see that happen come to like full circle like oh I was really dreaming about this and now my dreams are about to come true that was one of the most surreal moments for me because I'm over here at the table with my parents and my brother and we're just kind of looking around like, we are really here. Like, we are really here. We really living this dream out. That's, see, yeah, man, I got, that's why I wanted to get everybody. It's like, man, that's, that's, a, that's a heck of an experience, man. You know? So how many years did you play in the league? 
So I played seven, I think, in, in the NBA, and then I played three overseas. Okay. So after the – because you played with Atlanta, you got drafted by Atlanta, but then uh, played with Boston for how many years? So I was at Boston uh, for one year. We went to uh, the finals, and we lost to Kobe in uh, game seven in the finals. I and remember. Then, I remember. remember I was in yeah. the building. <laughs> the, 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 one, the one time that Kobe decided to pass the ball, he hits the uh, <laughs> uh, At the time, it was Meta World Peace, and he wasn't hitting three, and, you know, wind up uh, extending the lead and that type of thing. But uh, that was a fun experience because, uh, one, I get to Boston, and people are like, oh, welcome to the NBA. And I'm like, what you mean, welcome to the NBA? And a lot of people were saying, like, you know, the team that you were with, they weren't franchise championship teams and how they were run from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I didn't understand what they was talking about. And I'm like, oh, I get to Boston and I'm like, oh, I understand what they're saying. Because a lot of stuff they was talking about, what was happening was how it was ran at Duke. And it reminded me being back in college, how no matter what's going on with the top guy to the bottom guy, you know, coach will get on you and it will coach you right or wrong. And on top of that, I played with Hall of Famers like, you know, Paul Pierce, KG, Ray mm -hmm. Allen, um, Ron, 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 Rondo, Rajon Rondo was in his prime. Mm -hmm. uh, Kim Perk was in his prime. Mm -hmm. uh, Rasheed Walls was with, uh, on the team. Michael Finley was on the team. Like, it was a really good team. And I'm seeing all these vets. And at the time, I want to say, like, maybe year five for me. And I'm like, if KG and uh, Ray and all these guys are coming in, early before practice and they in like 13, 14, 15th year, I have no excuse. Like we all tired, but I have no excuse. If the Hall of Famers are doing this and they in a year 15 or year whatever, and I'm on year six or year five or whatever it was, there's no excuse for me. And it reminded me how things should be, how things should be ran. And it was really a, a cool, a, a cool atmosphere to be in. Okay, so uh, Atlanta wasn't Atlanta was kind of like uh, Rick, well, Ricky, Rickety. <laughs> well, I mean, when I got to Atlanta, I was like third or fourth oldest guy on the team. Like we mm -hmm. were really young. Like uh, um, it was Joe Johnson, um, T. Lou, uh, R.I.P. Uh, Lorenzo Wright, mm -hmm. and then uh, Speedy Clax, and then it was me. So I was the fifth oldest guy. Oh, uh, saying so, you was a rookie, so you and I was a rookie. Yeah, everybody else was like, you know, like Marvin Williams when I left out of his first year. Mm -hmm. Um, Josh Childress came out of the second year. Um, Josh Smith came out of high school. I mean, like I can I can keep going, but uh, it was all young guys. <laughs> so, yeah, I only can imagine how the team was like. You know, dudes be out kicking it or whatever. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be on the uh, other, other the, the adult one uh, spot. The adult one. <laughs> yeah. We can't, we can't put that business out. We can't put all that stuff right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I got you. All right. Well, based on your experience of playing in the league, um, what made you decide you just wanted to keep playing when you went to uh, China and play? So, at the time. I always wanted to kind of experience your league. Mm -hmm. I never knew when I wanted to experience it. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, I was either being offered a bet minimum to be somewhere or make more money in your league. And 
the, the deciding factor was they was like, you know what? They're going to pay for the taxes. So I'm netting what I'm getting over there. Uh, that, versus, that's, yeah, but people don't realize, but that's right, big. right, right. So versus me doing the, the bet minimum and paying the taxes over here, I'm like, well, that's double over there. They're doing all that stuff. So I'm like, you know what? It makes more sense. What I didn't realize is if I took that at the time, it's different now. If I took that route, it was hard to come back to the NBA. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that part until later on. Mm-hmm. But literally, I went for a financial reason because, I mean, if they're going to pay me and pay my taxes, I was like, that's just a no-brainer for me. Granted, it was fun while we were in your league, but once we lost out of your league, man, it was six months of one game a week. I'm telling you, uh, we doing, uh, no joke, we doing um, two-a-days and uh, running practices and things like that, whatever, just to play one game. And don't let us lose. We lose that week. Nobody's talking to nobody. Like the coaching staff is not talking to nobody. People around the, uh, the, the, the team in the city, they're not talking. Like, mm-hmm. at least in the NBA, whatever, you playing another game. Uh, relatively soon, if not the next day, or if it was in your league, we're at least playing another um, game, whether it be like, you know, say we have like a Tuesday, Friday game. We're playing another game soon. But we had a, week, a whole nother week, whatever, all the two-day <laughs> practices and things like that. It was it was tough. It was tough. Uh, uh, man. What, what, what team was you on in your league? So I was on, uh, I was in France. I was in uh, Shalom Cersei on. Oh, so, you know, okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. when you actually uh, in your league, whoever wins that that country's league, they automatically in your league. Yeah. And then yeah. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it's different now or whatever, but then the bottom two teams of the league goes down to pro yeah, B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. top two teams in pro B go to pro, uh, pro A. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. how you know, it works. All right. No. Okay. All right. So uh, let me ask you this. Uh, after you play overseas and then you play, you know, your league and then you go to China for a couple of years. Uh, when did you know it was time to hang it up? Well, I I, I retired early. Um, what got me was my daughter was saying, how come I'm always away? And at the time, I was away from my daughter maybe eight months out of every year, which kind of put a, played a role on me, a played a role on me. And when she got to the point where she's like, Daddy, how come you always gone? Mm-hmm. That That really got to me. And for her to say that at a young age, you know, I'm gonna say she was like maybe four. And for her to say that, I'm like, you know what? I can sacrifice and be a dad. And mm-hmm. that's something else mm-hmm. I did. And I left, um, I left early. Actually, I could have still been playing. Uh, even now I'm seeing guys that I played with, they still out there playing. And mm-hmm. I mean, not mm-hmm. saying that, you know, I'll still be playing like that, because you know everybody knows their body's different and whatever. No, of course. But of course. the fact that I, I chose that um to be with her, and I'm not gonna lie to you, that first year I'm over here, you know, giving the I was like, everybody's like, oh yeah, you know, where is dad's here? So um I'm over here like giving the class uh Chick-fil-A for lunch. She wants me to be with her friends for lunch, but hey, dad, come to lunch, whatever, you know, that type of thing. And I'm doing like all the uh the room parent things, whatever. I'm doing a, <laughs> she was in the ballet at the time. So she was like, I'm taking her to the ballet recitals and practices and things like that. So I, I enjoy mm-hmm. being there on a daily basis versus just having her for the four months during the summer. And it was, it, it was a breath of fresh air because I was able to see her 
instead of watching her grow up through FaceTime and well, at the time it was a FaceTime, it was Skype back then. Yeah, like, no, I, yeah, I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I got you. I got you. Um, wow. Yeah, I remember that. My son was like uh, three or two when he was crying, like, Dad, I don't want you to go. And I was leaving the airplane to go to Australia. And I was like, yeah, uh -huh. this is probably my last year. I'm going to do it and kind of just retire and be around him now, you know. And now right, he's, right. you know, he's 12, you know, 13, about to be a knucklehead, you know. <laughs> so now, just, you know, just want to punch him in the neck. <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, yeah. that's how my daughter is right now. I mean, I leave uh, in a couple of days, go see her because uh, her birthday next week. Um, mm. So I'm going to be out there for her birthday week. And uh, uh, the fact that now when I have her, it's a totally different person. Um, but I, I go back and forth from, uh, I live in Atlanta. So I go back and forth uh, from Atlanta to LA two weeks out of every month okay. and during, during the school year. And the fact that I go back to her and I'm talking to her and she's over here like uh, laughing and giggling in her room. But then I bring her downstairs and oh, we're going to eat, have dinner. We're going to talk, whatever. And I don't get no kind of conversation. I'm like, what's what's going on? You know, from, like, you, know, you always want to talk to me. And now all of a sudden, it's like pulling teeth and I have a conversation with you. Yeah, and then right yeah, after dinner yeah. or whatever, she go back up <laughs> to the thing, shut her door. Now she's, you know, this you know, teenage girl, shut her door. She's laughing and, you know, with her friends and things like that. I'm like, oh, so this is what we're doing now. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the same, you know. My son, he's a PlayStation kid. So, you know, okay. uh, like, Dad, can I? Oh, nah, man, you ain't playing. We're getting out the house. Oh, Dad. <laughs> I, he's like, Dad, I'm, I'm just exhausted. I'm like, exhausted? You just go to school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. What are you, right. What are you exhausted for? You know? Right. So, all right. Well, so what was, what was the best thing about being overseas compared to being in the NBA and then vice versa? So... I mean, well, I already said about the yearly paying my tax and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was really good. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like when I was in um, France, it was it was because the teammates of mine were cool that made my experience better. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. majority of the team spoke English. Like oh, uh, okay. that made it easier, you know, like uh, the coach spoke, you know, kind of broken English. You know, that type thing. Um, mm -hmm. But he had a heavy accent, so I had to really listen to what he was saying or read his lips. Because, like, <laughs> no, you know, that French, you know, accent was really heavy. So I, I couldn't understand a lot of times what he was saying. But the fact that my teammates, you know, we about three hours drive from Paris or a one-hour speed bullet train uh, from Paris type thing. Whatever. So my teammates would take me down there. We got on sightseeing and things like that. But we had a good time together because obviously we're doing two days, you know, we see each other all the time. And we had a little small casino right outside the city. So we did, we did that as well. Now in China, China was different because you can only have two Americans per mm -hmm, team. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we'd be like, you know, and literally, literally like we'd be over here like, you know, two guys that can actually talk with a translator and then the rest of the team we playing charades with like, you know, we out there on the court because we only can play together one quarter as a rule. Like the guard plays the first quarter, the big plays the second quarter. We play together the third quarter. And you got to pick and choose who plays in the fourth quarter. Wow. So okay. it was a lot different. It was half games 
because you're only playing maybe um, from November to February. So it was half the, I'm sorry, half the season. It was more games. They mm-hmm. played three times a week. Um, but it was half the season um, because you're only playing four months versus, you know, you out in your league, you go all the way, it's 10 months. Okay, okay. So what would you give, you know, uh, on your experience, what would you, what was the best advice you would give to like the next Sheldon Williams, you know? As far as like overseas or coming just, out or? Just, yeah, just something like if say you got, say you had a son and he was coming out of college and going to the next level, what would be the best advice you would give to him? Well, I think the best advice I would give him is one, before he makes that point, I would make sure that he's prepared with all the tools he needs mm-hmm. in case he does decide to go to that next level. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, for me, if I had to go back, I would have made sure that I was more well-rounded on the court versus like, all right, this is what I do well. And, I mean, at the time, like you had your your scores and you had your shooters, you had your rebounders, you know, that's how it was. What you did, you know, that's what you do. But now mm-hmm. there's no more positions. So you have to be a positionless person where you can do everything. Kind of like, you know, a Swiss army knife, just have a whole bunch of different things that you can do. I want to make sure that he's prepared on the court with that and off the court, the things that he needs to be prepared with, where whether it be, you know, uh, financial wise, whether it be um, learning how to deal with things that are thrown at you, whether it be, you know, tag alongs, girls, or, you know, whatever, you know, that comes with mm, that, yeah, yeah. that territory. I would just make sure that he has all the information that he needs to have without actually trying to give him a blueprint of how to navigate around, you know, that type of thing. So, you know how it is when you're young, you think you know it all, and you <laughs> actually, you know, do other things. But yeah, I would make sure that at least I give him that. No, no problem. That's actually a good, that's a good answer. You know what I'm saying? It makes a lot of sense. Give him all the knowledge that you learned and now that, you know, like you accumulated, you can give it to him. So it right, can right. be easier for him. It makes sense. Now, obviously you, you've made the transition uh, to, you know, from NBA player to super dad, but as far as like everything else of the transition of, you know, from professional athlete to what you do now, how has that transition been for you? Yeah, so when I went from uh, being an athlete to uh, super dad, um, I wound up doing that for a year, and then I got into scouting. So I was a West Coast scout for Brooklyn Nets for three years, mm-hmm. and um, I was doing that. I had 17s on the West Coast, but I was able to actually do that and still be with my daughters, uh, my, da- my daughter as well, too. So like if my daughter had like a, a basketball game or a play or something like that, I can make sure that I can do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, looking at the schedule. So that wound up being pretty good. And then I wound up getting a coaching job uh, for Atlanta Hawks G League team. And I did that in the first year we were in Erie, Pennsylvania, while the gym was being built. built. And then I wind up uh, coming down here the second year and being a coach. And then the only thing bad about coaching is you don't own your future. So they had fired the head coach for the Atlanta Hawks mm-hmm. with Lloyd Pierce. And uh, brought in, uh, not brought in, they just moved Nate and Millen up. And he wind up just kind of clearing staff and bringing his own people in. Like I said, you don't own your own, you don't own your own future with that. That's the only thing that sucks about coaching. Um, I mean, it's very rare that you actually get on and you're with like a, a legendary coach. We know you ain't gonna be there for a while. I guess you just not, <laughs> not mess up, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, just, that's the only thing you gotta do is not mess up, whatever. 
um, that type of thing. But then now, like I said, I go back and forth with my daughter. Um, I started a, a healthy vending machine business. Mm-hmm. So I got about uh, six locations here in Atlanta area. Also do some real estate now as well. And then I have my foundation that kind of gets back to uh, help with kids that one may not have the same resources. So I try to bring that and use basketball too to kind of bring that to them, like, you know, coding, um, STEM, robotics, you know, things like that, where you don't, it, it may not have it at their school, but at least they're, you know, I guess introduced to it. So later on down the line, it's not like, you know, somebody kind of, you know, throwing foreign things to them. And then last year back home, they, I started a, a youth league, a free youth league for my, uh, my, um, my district because they cut music, sports, and arts in elementary schools. So I've got seven elementary schools that feed into my former junior high and high school. So mm-hmm. I teamed up with my high school um, and I was able to actually form a free basketball league for these kids, third, fourth, and fifth graders. Mm. That was last year. Now this year, I'm adding the girls since the first year was such a success. It's going to be girls and boys. So kind of giving them, I mean, options to actually do other things. Because if you're not doing anything, that's more risk to get in trouble. You know, that's more stuff that mm. you're not supposed to be doing or whatever. So I want to make sure that these kids have a chance to, you know, one, play. Then also mm-hmm. just do something with their lives where I'm introducing these programs along with it. So it kind of helped them out as well. Man, like I said, I don't see the halo for the Mother Teresa hat, man. You know, <laughs> you know that's a blessing that you, uh, that you, you know, you, you give them back to the kids, give it back to the future. Also, it's a blessing that you made the transition pretty smooth, smoothly to, you know, what you're doing now, man. That's that, you know, I, I struggled big time when I retired. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I just had no idea of what I wanted to do. So, like, now I'm back to where it's cool, but before it was a struggle, you know, a big struggle. But the fact that you just did it with kind of like a smooth transition right away, that's a good thing, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of fell in like that. I mean, I it, it didn't feel like it was smooth like that. I said, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I go from, uh, uh, I abruptly stopped playing to baby with my daughter. It didn't feel smooth like that because I was like, one, I was like, no way, it's t- year 10, I need to start start thinking about what my next chapter is going to be. Mm-hmm. But then I had a conversation with my daughter, then all of a sudden that moved it up faster than what I thought it was going to be. And now I'm like, it's cool because I want to be, a, you know, a full on dad with her, you know, because like I said, me playing, you know, wherever I was playing in for eight months, whatever, I had barely saw her. So mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, what can I do to get kind of, you know, still be with the game of basketball, but still have the freedom to do what I want to do with her. And then that's when Scotty came in, um, like I said, which I love. I wish it, I wish it just paid pay more. But, you know, I, I loved it <laughs> because, you know, I'm going to be watching a lot of these games anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. for me to actually go to these games and actually kind of re- write reports about what I see, what I think happened, uh, if there's players that they're interested in, I write reports on what I think about the players, that type of thing, and then kind of go from there. But then when I got introduced to uh, coaching, I liked it because it was more hands-on and I was able to actually, you know, do some work with the guys. But one, one thing I did like about coaching was more so the actual working with the guys, you know, whether it be like the individual work before practice, then practice and individual work after practice. I enjoy that more than, uh, you know, 
I guess, cutting up film and showing them and getting game plans ready, that type of thing. But I know it all comes with the territory, but the whole hands-on was a lot. The player development for me was more of my cup of tea than anything else. All right. Do you feel like you're going to get back into coaching or you're going to stick with what you're doing now? Honestly, I'm not opposed to it. Um, I'm just tired of moving around. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I counted the amount of times that I've moved um, since I left high school. And a majority of that is because of sports, but I've moved over 30 times since high school. Like, you know, I want to be oh. somewhere <laughs> and just be somewhere. Like, you know, this is home no matter what, you know, uh, that type of thing. So if something fell in my lap in Atlanta area, that would be more enticing, I guess. Mm -hmm. But right now, with me having the freedom to go back and forth and see my daughter through the school year and being able to watch her play uh, basketball, and now she's in track, so I'll see her play, you know, run track uh, next week. Um, it's, it's still enjoyable for me because I know I only have about another five more years to do this because before she graduated high school and figure out what she wants to do as well. All right. Like I said, that's cool. That's real cool. Yeah, I got basically five and a half years for my son to figure out, you know, because yeah. when he's 18, he's out, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Military, <got> you. <laughs> college, you out. <laughs> School, one of the three. All right. Well, we're at the end of the, you know, show, uh, Sheldon, man. Pretty much we always ask our guests is one last question. Um, you know, at the end of our, you know, at one point of our lives, you know, or careers, we all have low points in our life or career. Um, and we always ask, you know, how did you get out of your uh, low point? Did you, was it prayer? Was it family? Was it, you know, what, what was it for you? So for me, I guess, I mean, because back then, like you said, everybody goes through it, but back then, Nobody talked about it. You just had to go through it. You know, mm -hmm. people doing a good job now, kind of sharing their experiences of how they're going through their process and kind mm -hmm. of, I guess, in a way, helping other people that are seeing that thing mm -hmm. and that that mm -hmm. um, that way to handle things. But for me, I want to say being able to like my parents talk to them about whatever it is that I was going through because they're, they're, they've been the people that I bounce things off of when life gets hard anyway. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. If it's something personal um, that I didn't want to go to my parents about, I have a couple close friends that I'm able to actually kind of vent to and kind of bounce things off of. Um, so I feel like everybody should have at least one really good friend that is, is, is truly there for you. You know, I know sometimes it's hard to have because a lot of people have agendas, especially with athletes. It's very hard to find genuine people that don't want anything from you. Mm -hmm. That was something that it was very hard. Like two of my best friends are from people I knew back in seventh grade, you know, like before I was, you know, Sheldon Williams of, you know, whatever right now. And I have another really good best friend that um, I wind up, our meeting when I lived out in uh, LA and he was a former uh, athlete as well. And the thing is we gel so much on a lot of things and everything. And then all of a sudden I have a little small circle that we know that we have each other's back no matter what. Okay. Well, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. You know, always, you know, when you're an athlete, like you said, like I'm pretty sure even on your, on your level, every, it was probably magnified 
because it was, you know, you NBA guys. So everybody kind of want a piece of you want to take a piece. So always having those close friends is always good, you know, always real good for, right, you know, right, for, your, right. for your sanity, you know, exactly. like I said, yeah, for me, I, I was gone. So it was a little bit easier. So I didn't have like all that, you know, because I can ignore a phone call real easy rather than hanging out with somebody. Well, that and the time difference and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But the, the one thing I did not like was the fact that it, if you didn't have the right teammates, whatever, to kind of uh, be enjoyable around, it could get real lonely real fast, being in another country, not speaking their language, you know, mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. two day practices. And he's over like, man, I got nine more months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That type thing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I would say the one moment I had, I remember I was in Estonia, and Estonia is like super cold, it's the Baltic tip. So it was like negative 15 outside, it was a blizzard. (laughs) And like, I don't know, it was like a Thursday night or something like that, we didn't have a game that weekend or that week. And I'm looking at the blizzard, I'm like, man, do I really want to keep playing here? I should just go on and get a flight home right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm hating right now. Yeah. <laughs> before, while you say that before I go, whatever, uh, during a lockout, I was uh, I was in Russia, and I was uh, working out and playing in Russia, and in freaking um, Siberia. And wow. I have never, I'm telling you right now, I remember looking at my phone, and this mug said negative 32 Fahrenheit. I said, no, there's no way. <laughs> negative 32 Fahrenheit. I was like, this can't be right. This can't be right. I have never seen negative 32 on my phone or anything else, whatever. I mean, I've seen negative one, negative two, you know, that type of thing. It's very rare though. To right. see negative 32 and windy, I said, this is not life. So I'm like, I, I see why a lot of Russians. Look kind of angry sometimes. I'll be, I'll, be angry too. I'll, I'll be angry too if I'm over here walking around in negative uh, 32 degree weather. Like, literally, I had thermals, I had um, uh, 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 sweatpants and another pair of sweatpants on, and a full link coat. And I walked outside and it felt like I was butt naked. That wind hit me, I felt like I was butt naked. I said, This right here. I don't know how people live here. I mean, I'm 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 walking around mad because I opened the door. Like that's how it just changed my whole mood. Like, yeah, I got you. Man. <laughs> I got I respect that. Much respect. My 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 <laughs> thing isn't as bad as that. But like I said, the show. I want to say thank you once again, man, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you, man, for real. Um, you know, now yeah, you got to come on again. You know what I'm saying? We might need to talk about the NBA playoffs or something like that, you know, real okay. soon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So want to say thank you. But uh, if you listen to this far, like I said, we appreciate it. You know, please like, share, subscribe. You know, uh, this will be you know, obviously on Spotify, Believe Network, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. So like I said, check it out. We said Athlete's Journey, coming with that heat, great guests such as Sheldon, you know, Landlord, Williams, you know what I'm saying? We appreciate you. And like I said, see you soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
Our partners on BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even the next season's futures. And don't forget the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source of all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and betting favorite Vegas casinos and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today and use your mobile device. Join and use our promo BLEAV. That's BLEAV. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.